Well, before my first son, Levi, was born, uh, we went to the hospital like uh, many of you have done, parents, and uh, we, we go in and we're getting everything ready and my wife's going to get this epidural. And so uh, they put her on this counter and uh, on, on, her, on her bed and they tell her to turn around and the anesthesiologist breaks out this needle that must have been like 10 feet long. And um, he gets it out. And right when I see this thing, I just kind of like grab the bed and I'm like kind of bent over, like holding on, like, oh my gosh, what is that? And he's like, he's just laughing and uh, like he's seen this before. And, and so I, I, I'm, I mean, I am woozy. Like I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. What, what is that? What are you going to do with that? He proceeds to put this needle into my wife's back and I am freaking out. I'm literally doing this with my legs. Like I'm pumping my legs because I am flipping out about this huge long needle that is going into her back. And then if that wasn't the worst to make it even worse. Okay. Her leg starts doing this. It starts spasming. And I literally, I'm sitting there, my, I'm, I'm getting pale, like I'm getting white. And the, the doctor, he's just laughing. He's like, bro, you need to sit down. Uh, you're going to have to take a seat because the idea of this needle being in her back and her meg, it was disturbing to me. Okay. It was disturbing and it was affecting me in a very, very physical and tangible way. Well, did you know that when people heard about the birth of Jesus, it was very disturbing to many people. Like for us, if you're a follower of Jesus, we, we celebrate and we worship, we sing songs and we read stories about the birth of Jesus and we celebrate that. But to a lot of people in Jesus's day, the idea, the news of the impending birth of this baby was very disturbing to lots of people. Very disturbing. And so if you got a Bible, you can go to Matthew chapter two. If you don't have a Bible, uh, you can go to the city lbk.church and collect message notes. You can follow along with us. We'll have the verses here on the screen in just a second. But many people were disturbed by Jesus. And I want you to see why. We're gonna talk about why were so many people disturbed by the thought of Jesus being born. So Matthew chapter two Starting in verse one, it says this, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So, so the news is spreading, the Magi come, they're saying we're, we're looking for this one who's been born king of the Jews. And it says that, that Herod and all of Jerusalem were disturbed by this, like disturbed with this news. Why? Why would they have been disturbed by this? When he had called together all the people's chiefs, priests, and teachers of law, he asked them, this is Herod, he asked them where the Messiah was going to be born. And the, and the, and the chief priests, the teachers of the law, tell him this, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler. You could also say a king. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report it to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had 
heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose ahead of them went until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Herod was so disturbed by this news of this coming king of the Jews, he was so disturbed by this that he was organizing a plot and a plan to kill this baby. He was so disturbed. Why would anyone be so disturbed by the news of the birth of a baby? Why would anyone care this much? Why would they be so disturbed? And it has a lot to do, if not everything to do, with the Magi coming and saying, who is this one that's going to be born? Who's a king, a king, a king of the Jews. Herod was disturbed by this in all of Jerusalem, that there was this baby who was going to be born and he would be a ruler. He would be a king. You know, a lot of us, especially here in America, we don't really have a great idea of kings and, and what they're like because that, that just hasn't been the history of, of politics in our country. We came out of that, but we haven't experienced that really in, in our country. And so when I think about a king, I don't know about you, like I think of like Aslan from the Chronicles of Narnia or, or like the, uh, the Lion King. Like I, I think of a lion. When I think of a king, like I think of a lion. And lions, if you've ever been in front of one or close to one are, are scary. They're terrifying. They're disturbing. I was in Africa a little over a year ago and we went on this safari and we were in this Jeep and I was standing out of the top of this Jeep and all of a sudden we see in the distance a lion coming down the road right at us. Now, this isn't a zoo, okay? He's not behind a cage or glass or something. This is out like in this, on the safari, like this lion's coming down the road and I see this lion and the hairs like are standing up on my arms and I am freaking out. And I'm just thinking at any moment, this lion could run at us and get on top of this car and just rip us right out of this car and just eat us for dinner. Okay. It was terrifying. Okay. This lion came right up to our Jeep. It came right below us. I was literally, I was standing out of the top of this Jeep and saw this lion go by. I could have slapped that lion on the butt right as he went by. That's how close that lion got to us. It was terrifying. Okay. It was disturbing to be in the presence of a lion. And you know, that's how often the Bible will describe Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah. It was disturbing to Herod and to all Jerusalem, the idea, the thought that there was this baby who was born a king. And I think there's several reasons for that. And I want to show them to you. I want to talk about them. And as we talk about why this disturbed Herod, it's also going to give us a picture of what does it mean for Jesus to be the king? What does that mean? In this series, we've been talking about whose, whose child is this? And we said he was, in the, in, in the first week, we said he's the son of God. He's the Messiah, the anointed one. He was the son of God. He was God's child. 
In week two, we said Jesus was the, the, uh, the, the high priest. He was Mary and Joseph's son, so he was fully man as well. He was fully God. He's fully man. And so he is our high priest. And so he was Mary and Joseph's child and that Jesus was fully man. And this week, we're going to see the final part to whose child is this as we talk about what it means for Jesus to be the king, the king. So what does it mean? Why is this important? Well, number one, it's important because of this. Jesus, King Jesus is a promise keeper. If Jesus is the king of the Jews, like the Magi said, it means this, that God or King Jesus is a promise keeper. He's a promise keeper. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, God said to David, your kingdom will endure forever. Your kingdom. God was promising King David of Israel. Your kingdom will endure forever. God promised David that he would never cease to have a king in his line reigning on the throne. And so when Jesus comes and he is born king of the Jews... And he dies and he's resurrected and he goes to sit at the right hand of the Father on his throne in heaven. Jesus who lives now forever. We talked about this last week. Jesus who lives now forever is the king in the line of David reigning on his throne forever. So our God, King Jesus, is a promise keeper. And when the Magi come and they're saying, hey, where's this one born king of the Jews? Herod gets all the priests together and the teachers of the law. And he's asking, who is this? And and where does he come from? Where is he going to be born? And the priests and the teachers of the law say this, he will be born in Bethlehem for out of Bethlehem will be a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel, giving us a picture of King David, who was the shepherd that became a ruler, a king. In Revelation 5, verse 5, it says this, speaking of the end times when Jesus will return. And before he returns, John has this vision of what's going on in heaven. And in Revelation 5, verse 5, he has this picture of this lion who's reigning. And it says this, you do not have to weep anymore for the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has already won the victory. Jesus still reigning on his throne in the line of David, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root coming from the line of David, still reigning on the throne, even at the end of time as we know it. Our God, Jesus, King Jesus is a promise keeper. And this is important because so often in your life and my life, we see things totally out of whack in total chaos and often wondering, God, where are you? What what are you doing? I, I thought you told me this, or I thought your word said this. And we often begin to question where is God and what is he doing? And we can see in Jesus being born king of the Jews, God fulfilling his promise to Israel that there would be a king who would be born from the root of David, reigning on his throne forever. We can see, we can look at the scripture and say, God has got a plan. He is in control. When everything else seems chaotic, when everything else seems out of control, God has a plan and he's shown us that he keeps his promises. And so we can know as he's kept every promise he's made, he will keep his promises. He will keep his promises. He's got a plan and he's bringing it all together. Two, this is important because King Jesus has a kingdom. Our King Jesus 
has a kingdom. When Jesus starts preaching, he starts saying, hey guys, you need to repent of your sin because the kingdom of heaven is near. The Bible teaches us that there's really just two kingdoms. The kingdom of heaven where Jesus reigns and the kingdom of darkness where Satan reigns. And in Colossians chapter one, verse 13, it says this, for he, Jesus, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, Jesus, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. You may not have realized this, but the Bible teaches that we are born physically. We are born into the kingdom of darkness and Satan rules over our life. And so the Bible says that because of that, because we're born into sin, we're born in this kingdom of darkness and we follow Satan, we rebel against God. There's only two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of heaven. And we are born into the kingdom of darkness. But the great news for all of us tonight is this, is that he, Jesus has rescued us from the, the dominion of darkness and he's brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. You see, you don't enter the kingdom of heaven through your performance. No, you're rescued out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of heaven because of the grace of God. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay your fine for your sin, to rescue you out of prison, to rescue you out of the kingdom of darkness and to bring you into the kingdom of heaven. It's a change of position. You enter the kingdom of God through a change of position, not your performance. You can't perform your way into the kingdom of God. The Bible is clear that no one, no one is righteous. No one is good. We fall short of God's standard to enter his kingdom. We fall short of it. And so the Bible says that we are rescued out of this kingdom of darkness and we're brought into the kingdom of the son, the king, Jesus. God changes our position when we give our life to Jesus. We enter the kingdom through a change of position, not performance. So you're born into the kingdom of darkness, but when you give your life to Jesus, watch this, you're born again into the kingdom of heaven. You're born again into the kingdom of heaven by your faith in Jesus Christ. And so you now have a new position. You know, the last couple of weeks, we've talked about peace and where peace comes from and, and how Jesus, our high priest, paid for our peace with his piercings. Well, I want you to know tonight that your peace that we celebrate more so this time of year than any, this peace comes from a change of position. Peace will never come from your performance because you will always fall short. Peace only comes from a change of position, changing from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of heaven by God's grace through your faith in Jesus Christ. So we've got... Our King Jesus has a kingdom and you enter his kingdom through a change of position. And when you're a part of his kingdom, here's what you need to know. This is no longer your home. The kingdom of heaven is your home. In fact, it says of the people of faith in Hebrews 11, it talks about these people of faith, all these incredible stories are read about in the Old Testament. And it talks about these people of faith. And it says the reason they had faith and they did the things that they did was because they believed that they had a better home awaiting them. They didn't consider this place their home. They believed that the kingdom of heaven was their home. 
And so if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been transferred into the kingdom of heaven where King Jesus is now your king. And king, the kingdom of heaven is now your home. This earth is no longer your home. Third, third thing, King Jesus is coming back. Now, for many of us, this is great news. But for some people, this is disturbing. It's a disturbing thought. But we've been told that King Jesus is coming back. Watch this. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells this story. And he says, when the Son of Man, Jesus, comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king, Jesus, will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Our king, Jesus, is coming back. And when he comes back, we believe that he will sit on his throne and he will judge the nations, as it says here. And in Matthew 25, it says he will put some on his right and, and some on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, come and enter the kingdom that's been prepared for you. But those on the left, the story goes on. King Jesus will tell them, go away into darkness, the kingdom of darkness for eternity. Separated from me in a place called hell. So our King Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, the Bible says he's going to judge the nations. And those who've been transferred into the kingdom of heaven will reign with him forever. Jesus, Paul, give us this, the, this idea of when Jesus comes back, he will come down from heaven and you'll be able to see it from any place on earth. That there will be this trumpet call from God and the voice of this archangel announcing the return of Jesus so you'll be able to hear it from any place on earth. That when Jesus, our king, returns, you will hear it from any place on earth. You will see it from every place on earth when Jesus, King Jesus, returns one day. And the Bible says he will. And then finally, King Jesus, the Bible says, will reign forever. Our king, King Jesus, will reign forever. In Revelation chapter 20, after Jesus comes back, it says that Jesus will begin to reign on earth for a thousand years as king. And then this judge will judge everyone. This king will judge everyone from his great, great white throne. And then Revelation 21 and 22 give us this picture that there's this new heaven and new earth and this new Jerusalem. They're going to come down from heaven to earth where Jesus will reign forever on this great white throne. And here's what it says in Revelation 22. Watch this. The throne of God and of the lamb will be in the city. The throne of God and of the lamb, that's Jesus, will be in this city, this new heavens, this new earth where Jesus will reign forever on his throne. And so if you're a part of the kingdom of God, I want to encourage you tonight that you are a part of something so much bigger than yourself. You're a part of something that's so much bigger than you. You're a part of a kingdom that is going to last forever where there is no more weeping, no more tears, no more sickness, no more death, no more sin. You're a part of that kind of kingdom that will last forever. It's paradise 
where our king, Jesus, will reign on his throne forever. And so Hebrews 12 says this, that we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That cannot be shaken. You ever feel like your life is being shaken? Like it's chaotic, out of control? You ever feel stressed, anxious? You know, the good news for you tonight is if you're a part of the kingdom of heaven, the Bible says you've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Meaning God on his throne is in control. And one day you and I, as a part of the kingdom of heaven, will reign with this King Jesus in a kingdom that will never, ever end, that cannot be shaken. So, whose child is this? Whose child is Jesus? Well, we've answered that in a lot of different ways over the past couple of weeks. But tonight, I want you to see this, that Jesus is actually Herod's child too. And we think, what? How could he be? How could he be Herod's child? That doesn't make any sense. Well, Jesus, who was born king, is king over everything, over everyone. The Bible says that God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ. He has made him king. So in other words, you and I don't make Jesus king. He is king. And so as king, as the king, he's Herod's child too because he's Herod's king. Whether Herod likes it or not, he's Herod's king. And to those of us that are here tonight, you need to know you don't make Jesus king. I don't make Jesus king. God has made Jesus king. God has made Jesus king. And so he's your child too. Because whether you realize it or not, Jesus is your king. And you might be saying, listen, he's not my king. I'm not a Jesus follower. I'm not into this whole thing. He's not my king. The Bible says God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ. God has made Jesus king. You and I don't. So, so we have a choice to make. If Jesus is king, he's the king of kings, and the Bible says that he is, you and I have a choice to make. And here's our choice. You can bow up or you can bow down. That's what we see in this story in Matthew 2. When the idea, the thought, the news of Jesus being born, the king of the Jews comes to Herod, you have, you have a choice. You can bow up to the king and say, you're not my king. Or you can bow down to the king and say, no, Jesus, you are my king. See, what Herod understood very, very clearly, maybe better than you and I do, is that there can only be one king. That's why Herod was disturbed. He heard the news of a new king, of a coming king. And Herod knew this, there can only really be one king. And so the idea of a king being born threatened him. It threatened his position. And so the pride in his heart said, you are not king, I am king. And that pride, that arrogance, that bowing up in Herod would eventually destroy him. It would eventually destroy him. And, and here's what you need to know. 
when you bow up to the King of Kings and you say, you are not my King, I am King like Herod did, it will only serve to destroy you. It will only bring pain and consequences and regret. And that's what would happen to Herod. You see, this pride in Herod that says, I am king, there's only one king and it's me. It goes all the way back to the very beginning in the garden when Satan began to tempt Adam and and Eve and say, listen, if you take from that tree, if you eat from that tree, you will be like God. And they took and ate because they wanted to be king. It's the original sin, the pride in our hearts that says, I am king goes all the way back to the beginning. And we continue to take and eat and say, I will be like God. I am king. And it only serves to destroy us. Herod thought that through death, he could stop Christmas. But God knew that through Christmas, he would stop death. You see, when we rebel against the king, when we bow up against the king, it's us in our hearts saying, I am king. I'm gonna do what I want. It's a usurping of the real king, the king of kings. And it always leads to what Herod got to. I will kill this king because I am king. Herod bowed up and he did nothing but destroy him. But the Magi on the other hand in this story, the wise men, they didn't bow up, they bowed down. They came into the room with their gifts and they saw the baby Jesus and they bowed down and they they presented their gifts. They bowed down before the king. You see, what was prophecy then and what had been prophecy to the Magi and to those alive during the time of Christ, what had been prophecy was now and is now history. That there would be one born who would be our Messiah, who would be our high priest, who would be our king. This was all prophesied hundreds of years. We've talked about this the last two weeks, hundreds of years before the time of Christ. And what was prophecy is now history. But watch this. What's prophecy now? That our Christ, the king will return. That one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that Jesus is King. That's the prophecy now that Christ our King is going to return and he's going to reign forever on his throne with this kingdom. That's prophecy now, but one day it's going to be history. And you have to decide, are you gonna bow up? Or are you going to bow down and say, Jesus, you are my King. One day it'll be too late. One day it will be too late. Every knee will bow, the Bible says. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. For some of us though, as we continue to rebel and say, I am King. On that day, when Christ comes back, it will be too late. And so my challenge for you tonight is to to bow. 
is to bow tonight and say, Jesus, you are my king. It's to recognize that Jesus is the king. And so my challenge for you tonight is this, is to be able to say this, that the king, Jesus is my king. The king, Jesus is my king. I bow before him, just like the Magi did. We bow before you, Jesus. We humble ourselves and we bow and we say, Jesus, you are And my bet is, is that tonight, if you're not a follower of Jesus, and even for some of us that are followers of Jesus, the idea, the thought of that, this very idea, it's a little disturbing because we still have this thing the Bible says is our flesh that wars against this. Our pride that wars against this bowing before Jesus saying, Jesus, you are my king. Because it's still saying there can only be one king and it's not me. And so if you're like me, even as you hear this, even as a follower of Jesus, there's something in you that wars against this. My challenge is tonight, we can make it our prayer that God, would you do something in my heart? Would you humble me so that I could say, so it could be true in my heart, Jesus, you, the King, you are my King. In the middle ages, subjects of a King would come and kneel before him. They would close their hands and they would place their hands inside the king's hands. The king would wrap their, his hands around the subject's hands. And here's what the subject was saying. They were saying, I'm your man, I'm your woman, I belong to you. I'm loyal to you, my allegiance is with you, I will serve you, I will die for you. And they would kneel, they would put their hands inside the king's hands. And they would say this, it was called the homage ceremony, where you would pay homage to your king. Well, Christians in the Middle Ages began to realize that they serve the king of kings. And so when they began to pray, what would they do? They would bow their knee, bow their head, and put their hands together, acting and symbolizing that they were kneeling before the King of Kings, putting their hands into the hands of the nailed scarred hands of King Jesus. And they would bow before Jesus in prayer and say, Jesus, you are my King. I'm your man, I'm your woman. I'm bowing before you, I'm kneeling before you. My allegiance is with you, I'm pursuing you. All I have and all I am is yours, King Jesus. And so while I know the, the rows are tight, I tried it earlier in one of your chairs. If you're able, I wanna invite you now to bow your head, to close your eyes, and maybe to kneel at your chair if you're able. I was able to turn around in my chair and, and kneel earlier. If you're able to do that, great. If you're unable to kneel physically, or you just don't want to, that's totally fine. But I wanna invite you, followers of Jesus, of the kingdom, members of the kingdom of heaven, to bow before your king now. To get your family together and say, we're, we're bowing. Jesus is our king. We bow before him. And so if that's you, if you're comfortable, I invite you to do this with us. If you're not comfortable doing it, that's fine. If you're physically unable, would you just bow your head and to put your hands out And in your heart, say, Jesus, I'm your man. 
I'm your woman. I belong to you. I'm loyal to you. My allegiance is with you. I will serve you. I would die for you, Jesus, the King. You are my King. Tonight, I want you to know that Jesus, the King is your child too, the child King. And so we bow before him. Our team's gonna lead us in worship. And as they do, you can feel free to stand up whenever you're ready. But I just wanna invite you to take a moment in prayer and say, Jesus, you are my King. And when you're ready, when you've prayed, feel free to stand and to worship with us.